That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, here we are recording for the third Sunday of Advent, uh, the Sunday in which some papist congregations will be lighting a pink <laughs> candle and wearing rose vestments. Yeah, uh, what a and waste! Other abominations, uh, but just, it's also just the- just think about what a rose vestment could do in Haiti. You could sell it and build a school and dig a well and do all sorts of things. So the next time you're putting on your rose vestment, just think of that. Merry Christmas! <laughs> think of hungry children. <laughs> but hey, having a set of vestments for one Sunday a year is totally twice. Fine. Twice, twice. Twi- they do oh, it right, in Lent right. too. Yeah, yeah. there's the, it's so. A, so for people that are totally lost in this conversation right now, just stay lost. Episcopalians, just stay you can lost. just hit that just like advanced up. 15 seconds button on your phone and just skip this. But so the third Sunday of Advent. Because Advent is seen as sort of a mini penitential season, uh, there was this practice to kind of have a chill out, a liturgical cheat day, as it were, to kind of lighten the pressure a little bit. And so to signify that, the third Sunday of Advent was designated, instead of the either purple or blue candle investments, you'd go to rose, not pink, although one could be forgiven for thinking that it's pink, but it's rose-colored vestments and pyramids, the hangings on the altar, all of that, and there's a rose color candle or pink candle in the advent wreath so all that was to sort of signify a uh you know the end of advent is near and the good news is coming soon so just uh, to quote wilson phillips hang on for one more day or at least in this case one more sunday so that's what advent three is the rose stuff and i'm and i'm more on the protestant side of things jake and i did not go to neshota house we are not um you know, uh, we did not drink deeply from the well of Anglo-Catholicism. Is there something else I'm missing on this? And viewers, please send all your email comments to Jake. Jake, should we <laughs> anything else about third Sunday of Advent? I think you basically covered it. I think you covered it. So, um... well, I will say though that the this is also in some places known as Stir Up Sunday because the collect begins not by addressing God first; it begins with a request. There's an urgent request: stir up your power, and then we say, "O oh Lord." And mm-hmm. with great might come among us. So it's this desperate plea for help. Stir up your power. Uh, but because of this collect, uh, it is, you know, <laughs> you leave it to church people to make something really serious into something really silly. So yeah. they turned it into a Sunday where you're supposed to go home and, um, like, make a pudding like that you ha- that involves a lot of stirring. Uh, this is more in English churches than American ones. But Stir Up Sunday was the one where you went home and you started yeah. stirring things. But uh, you know when you when you look at this powerfully, you know you're in the third so you're getting close to Christmas. You're exhausted. Your uh, congregation, your people are tired. Maybe they're stressed out. They've got a and they've got an engagement with Grandpa's new girlfriend. You know uh, the kids aren't coming this year, or maybe they are, and there's not enough to go around. Whatever it is, uh, this can be a period when uh, people's faith kind of begin to wane a little bit. And so this is a reminder for uh, 
This is a great plea to stir up, uh, stir up your power, O Lord, within us. Yeah. And, uh, because we are busy by the third Sunday of Advent. Everybody's been trying to do it themselves. Yep. And I will say it is one of the most incredible diagnoses of the human condition in this collect. Mm. It's worth a mention, people. Mm. Uh, it says we are sorely hindered by our sins. Uh, and mm. I've never heard a more accurate description of the human condition, especially by this mm. point in the year where you're completely... <laughs> whatever holy, peaceful Advent you thought you were going to keep just by doing a calendar and lighting some candles, that has now fallen apart at this point. The stress levels are through the roof. You're now like uh, using the secret wine bottle that you have stored in the pantry to, you know, uh, yeah. whatever you've got going on. Your coping mechanisms are in full swing here. And we ask God in this colic, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us, which is which is really beautiful. Um, I mean, it's it's this it's an urgent plea. Um, uh, and I think in the um, uh, the the collect in right one, I think gets it even more, uh, more, more powerfully. Um, I think it uses the, the word succor, uh, which is, um, an English word that means kind of run to help. Um, if you think about Spanish, correr is to run. It comes from the same thing. So God, please get off your hiney and run to help me because it's so desperate. And the, the person begins the prayer with, with stir up your mighty power before they even remember to mention God's name. So anyway, powerful collect. We've spent too, too much time on it. Pink candles, too much. lots of collects. Uh, again, all your we, emails go to... We beat that dead horse. Go to Jacob Smith yeah. at sameoldsong.com. Yep. So now um, our readings today, they all sort of kind of this third Sunday revolve around signs of the kingdom. And this is, a, this is an important topic, especially on the third Sunday of Advent. Because uh, that's exactly what you're longing for when you ask God to stir it up. You are longing for the kingdom. You are longing for some sort of respite. Now, the problem is, is that in a lot of like kind of, um, you know, mainline circles, we think um, we think it's our job to bring in the kingdom. And uh, we'd like to invite Jesus to join us maybe when it's all settled. But um, the truth is, is that this is this these readings are powerfully about the becoming and the inbreaking of the kingdom, and uh, as we look forward to it, to its adventus um, during the season of Advent. And so we start off with a reading from Isaiah thirty-five verses one through ten, and this would have been a very kind of bizarre prophecy in a power in a, in a real way, because um, uh, Judah is uh, just is 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 on the brink of being leveled. All hope is about lost. And all of a sudden, Isaiah the prophet has this vision of wilderness and dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Um, you know, th these just powerful, powerful images of uh, weak hands being strengthened and firm uh, knees being held up. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a reversal of um, everything that's wrong in the creation to some extent. So mm. you think about um, that curse in Genesis 3 after the fall and how not only does it affect human beings, uh, it affects all of creation, every mm. every animal, every tree, every, um, 
every hemp plant grown only for CBD oil and not THC, like the ones that Jacob uses. Um, Stop that. That, I, I we can't say that. So anyway, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, but no, the whole creation is infected and affected by this, and yet all is being turned over. So it's, it's not just... Um, uh, good things will happen, and there'll be a, a, a the Lord returning this kind of messianic thing. But uh, there'll also be the burning sand shall become a pool, the thirsty ground, uh, uh, springs of water. So yeah, and there there are images here that um, Jesus is going to refer to constantly in Matthew um, as signs of the kingdom and of His presence. So you hear the prophet Isaiah say, "Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped." The lame shall leap like deer, and the tongue of the speechless shall sing for joy. Elsewhere in Isaiah, he'll talk about, you know, um, the, um, the, the prisoners and the captives going free. Hang on to that for a moment. But basically, the water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And if you've ever been in the desert, this is a rare but important, important sight. Because um, in the desert, water is completely gold. But Isaiah, finally, he comes to the end here and he sees this vision of a highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way and the unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fool shall go astray. And this is really the gospel moment here in the prophet Isaiah in our reading today. That highway, you know, you'd want to preach well and now everybody clean up your act and, uh, you know, because you want to be able to travel on that. But the good news of the gospel is, is that Jesus is the way. You know, he didn't come to show the way. He is the way. And it, sh and it is a holy way by which those who stride on it are made the righteousness of God. And even there, in the midst of all of your credit card debt, in the midst of like all of the stress that has come about during this Christmas season, it's still Advent in the church, but it's Christmas in Seculandia, you know, not even a fool shall go astray. And so that's the comfort you want to deliver to your people here, is that there is a way, and um, it is the holy way, and you are on it, and God has made you, um, God has made you um, clean. Yeah, and, and I can't, I can't, uh, give you thumbs up enough, Jake. I wish I could give you a high five through our screens right now, because I once heard, I once heard somebody preach this Sunday, Advent three, and it was someone you and I both know, who I will not name. Uh, but uh, come on, let's expose them. Nope, no, nope. Just I think, yeah. Anyways, I think. <laughs> Tell me afterwards. I so. will totally. But I think this person's had a, a change of heart since this sermon. But this uh, Advent three, it was on this passage. <laughs> Jake's clapping, everybody. <laughs> Uh, uh, I can't wait to find out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So the um, uh, the passage uh, here in Isaiah, they used it to talk about uh, this this verse you just discussed. The unclean shall not travel on it. And this person used this entire passage as a way of saying, "Get your act together." Because Jesus is coming. Advent is this whole waiting period. There is one coming, and before God comes, you got to get it together. And this person just laid down the law so thick and heavy, like Nutella on a fresh piece of toast. And it, except the result was nowhere near as delicious. I mean, everybody left church feeling so beat down and demoralized. But as you point out, this passage, the unclean shall not travel on it. It's just a state. It's true. Yeah, you will not be 
unclean if you travel on the holy way of Jesus because Jesus makes you clean. He's the one, if you enter the way of Christ, if you walk that path, he will. He cleans you through his death and resurrection. So, yeah, Absolutely. so don't make this about the law. This is the gospel, and I understand why it's hard to see it at first, and even the hearers didn't quite get it. But, yes, this is the way of Christ, and yeah. uh, and he cleans you. That's why. Yeah, and, and the re- it says right here, the redeemed shall walk there. These are people these are people who have not gotten their act together but have been made right by another. That's the whole point of redemption. And the ransomed of the Lord. Yeah, it totally underlines you know, that whole shall idea. Shall return and come not to Sinai. And this is a very important distinction in Isaiah's uh, writing, the difference between Zion and Sinai. Man, Zion is a different place. And Paul makes this also uh, this point in uh, Corinthians. This is the new mountain. Yeah, Mount Sinai this is was the, the new mountain. This is the mountain yeah. of, of promise. And so we enter that with singing. And everlasting joy shall be on their heads and they shall obtain. They're not ob- obtaining it as it's being given to them with joy and gladness. And sorrow and sign shall flee away. So, man, that, dude, uh, this passage from Isaiah is just dripping with gospel goodness. And um, but now we come to James. Dun dun dun. That was a great segue. Luke. <laughs> it was uh, Luther's uh, least favorite book, the one he called an epistle of straw. It doesn't mention mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus Christ. He feels, uh, you know, many people feel like James is the is the most law heavy book of the New Testament, and certainly does have feel a lot of, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of it's a lot of instruction, and some of it really good. I mean, lots yeah. of stuff about wisdom and about prayer mm-hmm. and. Um, and sort of, I what follow it, it every day. What, yes, uh, what it looks like to follow Christ. Uh, a lot of description of of what a redeemed and sanctified life looks like when the Holy Spirit has done His work in you. Um, and uh, and so, yeah. But it's a book that uh, t- taken. You can read it as just heavy law that. Yeah. can burden you. So this one though is giving some good some good words. Again, the th- theme of advent is one of waiting and so this passage from James wants to say be patient until God comes and yeah. uses an analogy of a farmer waiting from the crop. So, you know, I, I again, Isaiah 35 is about waiting for something that's going to happen. James 5 is about waiting for something that's going to happen. That's the whole advent theme of being um, we are we are remembering the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we're also looking towards the second coming. So that's what this one is about, and saying, yeah. as you wait, uh, be patient. And he also says, don't grumble, because what do we do when we're waiting? What do we do when we're stuck in a situation where we don't have control? I mean, this is what happens to you in the doctor's office. If you're waiting for longer than... 30 seconds, you start to get frustrated. Uh, If you are in the grocery store and you're in the checkout line and you have to wait longer than you think is appropriate or wherever, if you're Mm. at Popeye's like me and you're trying to get that dang chicken sandwich and you've been waiting for 35 minutes, Mm. um, you start to grumble. Uh, So so this is where he says, watch out. And he says the judge is standing at the doors. Now, why, Jake? Dramatic pause. Why is it actually good news that your judge is standing at the doors? Well, it's good news because your judge is Jesus, and uh, and uh, he has taken uh, the sins of the world upon himself um, as an example of suffering and patience, beloved. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And so what James is doing right here is, is that he is hearkening back to the prophet Isaiah. You see, there's a difference between the way Judah waited for the Messiah and the way we wait. Um, Judah waited with no, like they, they literally had to go on the promise. Um, we go on a promise that has 
already on a profound level being fulfilled with the resurrection of Jesus. And because he has historically risen from the dead, we can trust that he's coming back again. Now, the world thinks that's foolish and totally crazy and completely absurd. And so this is where, you know, you want a great illustration for this um, with the farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth. You know, um, kind of Linus and the um, Great Pumpkin, that wonderful, wonderful uh, Charlie Brown cartoon. And everybody thinks he's completely absurd. And, uh, you know, as he waits and misses Halloween for the Great Pumpkin to come. And... Um, and it's even even Lucy, who goes with him, abandons him. But Linus never loses hope. And uh, he waits in that pumpkin patch because the great pumpkins come before. And uh, we can wait with suffering and patience because um, the prophets were right. There has been a holy one, a Jesus, and he's our judge, and he's taken the judgment upon himself. And this is something that John the Baptist in our gospel reading just couldn't seem to understand. Ooh, that segue was uh, smooth dang. like butter. <laughs> also, I, think, I am just dropping the segues. I think today. the title of this episode is Jesus Pumpkin. Uh maybe, or maybe the magic segue, just to give myself more credit. So <laughs> we got it. Segue to your pumpkin. All right. <laughs> Jake is having one of those big silent That's laughs. Good. I love it. Okay. So Matthew 11, this is uh, John the Baptist uh, who's in jail and he is hearing about Jesus and all that he's doing. Of course, John the Baptist was the one that announced Jesus was coming the first time and uh, said, get ready, clean up your act. Very much like uh, uh, the prophets who talked about the first coming of the Messiah. They kind of clean up your act, get it together. Um, and John was the same way. And Jesus shows up and John is confused because he doesn't look at all like what John the Baptist expected. Uh, he was expecting somebody, as he said, who's who had an axe in his hand and was going to cut down the tree, who had his uh, winnowing fork and was going to clear the threshing floor, that basically Jesus was coming to arrest the bad guys and help the good guys. And yet Jesus shows up and he's hanging out with the bad guys. He's going to the bad guys' birthday parties. He's hang, He's he's like buddies. Uh, and John the Baptist is scrolling through Instagram and just sees all these pictures with Jesus and all these sinful people like in Ibiza. And he's like, what is going on, Jesus? You're not supposed to be hanging out with these people. And uh, so are you the one who is to come? And <laughs> my Instagram account is telling me something different, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> so. you're not you don't look as uh, serious and angry as you're supposed to be, you know, cleaning house. Um and it makes sense, man. The dude is in prison. Yeah. And he's like, WTF. Yeah. This is a this is a very powerful human face? moment. Like like human moment that you see in the New Testament here with Matthew, uh, proving its validity on a powerful level. Yeah. If if it had been concocted, John the Baptist would have been like, Hell yeah, Jesus, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Thanks. But John the Baptist here, like the 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 culmination of the Old Testament prophets, is like, wait a minute. Are you the one or should we expect someone else? Yeah, huge. Whenever you find a hugely embarrassing story for people that are like churches are named for them. Yeah. This like this means that the New Testament is real. Like if you were. Yeah, Jake, as you said, if you were making this up, you wouldn't put this story <laughs> that makes John the Baptist look like a total moron, Yeah, uh, which happens all the time. The disciples look like total jack wagons. Uh, like me. Great mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Anyway, if you were writing your biography, you would not put in your most embarrassing stories, like the no. ones I could but won't tell about Jake. So, uh, 
Matthew 11, uh, John is confused. Why is Jesus hanging out with the wrong people? And so Jesus gets this message and sends people back to John to to uh, give them give them his response. And he says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk. So basically, kind of like a lot of the things that Isaiah prophesied would happen mm-hmm. are now mm-hmm. happening. So that's why it's key that this passage comes after the Isaiah passage. And one one of the powerful things here is that I'm wondering what why, um, you know, and the... Um, and folks will get gold fillings, and they'll have leg extensions, and and things like that. No, um, this is a uh, this is J- Jesus is calling back to the prophets um, key things that are that that the that, that signs of the kingdom are present in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The kingdom is now here. These are signs, but there's one significant uh, thing that's missing, and that is that the prisoner shall go free. Um, and uh, because John the Baptist ain't getting out of this one. Um, and so, and hence Jesus says, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me, calling us back to the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are you when all people speak well of you. For, the, so, so, for so they spoke of the false prophets before. So in this regard, Jesus is sending a very like um, a powerful message to John, but also um, he's sending him like a comforting one as well. Um, that like, blessed are you don't take offense at this, but this is how it goes. Yeah. But, um, uh, but, uh, then he goes on and, uh, he just basically drops some more truth. And what do you think, Aaron? Anything? Yeah, I I think lots of things. Uh, Jesus says that John the Baptist was the best and highest example of life under the law. That if you were going to live by kind of that former, uh, understanding kind of the ones exemplified by the prophets. And of course, John clearly is, you know, the, the second coming of the prophet Elijah, uh, the messenger that announces the Messiah. So he says that among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. He is the based, to quote Nacho Libre. And um, and yet Jesus says he's, he's the, the least lowest, worst person in the kingdom of heaven in the in the new way that Jesus opens this gospel way of life, the least person is greater than John, who was the best in the old system. So, in terms of obedience and righteousness under the law, you're not going to get better than John the Baptist, and he is the greatest single example of that. But Jesus says that that doesn't even come close; doesn't hold a candle to the uh, the backslidden Baptist on the back pew, um, who who. Uh, you know, who looks, have mercy on me, O Lord, a sinner. Right. And so, yeah. so this is, um, this is Jesus making a really clear distinction and, um, and it's a beautiful one and it's a relief, but you know, so many people today still think Christianity is more like John the Baptist style, that it's mm-hmm. get your act together. And, um, and yet, and, and they take offense at Jesus and his ministry mm. of grace. Uh, and um, Jake, you and I have both had conversations with people in our churches who leave because there's too much grace and they want us to bring down the hammer of the law more for people. But uh, Jesus says so clearly here, look, yeah, you can be that way, but that's never going to, that's not the way of the kingdom of God. Um, and uh, yeah. I I rarely in pastoral encounters um, have not like, somebody who's like really hungry for the law and wanting me to like really deliver it hardcore to other people. Um, do not find that later on, man, there's like a real, there's like a real hurt in there, you know? And the truth is, is that, you know, life under the law, you, 
you want to get away with something, but you want to make sure no one else is getting away with it. And uh, it really creates a hard spirit. And so this, like the, I think the pastoral application here is, is that, you know, um, Jesus handles sinners graciously. And, um, and that, is, that is one of the gifts of this kingdom that's in breaking, is that the broken, sinners who can't get it together, will be handled graciously. And um, while we may not know exactly when this kingdom is going to be fully realized, um, we can treat other people um, with that same sense of grace and, uh, and, and sensitivity in hopes of bringing them on the highway of holiness, where they'll be made, um, where they'll be ransomed and redeemed as well, like all of us. So I got to tell a story about Jake, and this is one that is not embarrassing, Jake. This actually makes you look really good. Uh, when I had just arrived at seminary, you were like a year ahead of me. I went to what would then become the last accountability group I would ever attend. And me. <laughs> so we were, I think, in Joe Gibbs' house or something, and uh, we um, uh, were sitting around and we're sort of sharing... Uh, stories about our lives and I said, you know, I got this thing going on. Would you guys hold me would you guys hold me accountable? And Jake, you looked at me and you said, No, I will not. And I was like, What? Like this guy is breaking the rules of being a good Christian. And uh um you said, No, I will not because that's not the gospel. That's the law. I will pray for you and Jesus loves you. And I was so blown away, and I'm sure you don't even remember this, but I was so blown away by this moment, and I was like, what just happened? You know, I went home, and I was like, I, but it was the first time where, in, like, in real life, um, it's you were somebody who kind of enfleshed the gospel for me. Like, you mm. made me see what it actually means, and I just, it was like somebody throwing a glass of cold water in my face, you know, because I felt really pious and holy, like, oh, I'm being really spiritual. I'm asking him to hold me accountable. Yeah. And you were like, no. And I was like, what? Like, completely... Like, you know, the record skipped, somebody dropped a glass, yeah. like it just was like this crazy moment. But that's exactly this. So thank you, Jake. You helped me uh, uh, get the well, gospel. That's really touching. I do remember that moment. Um, and uh, I remember thinking in my head, what the F are you doing? <laughs> like, because I had only known the gospel for about seven minutes, even though I was in seminary. And I was like, this is, you are like sending this man down the road of perdition. <laughs> so anyway, but praise God, we're all still here. And I know, so, look um, at us. But up. it is grace, grace creates that which is desired. Never forget that the gospel, the kingdom creates that which is desired, not a shrilling voice that is telling people to get it together. And uh, and that is the good news of the gospel. Yeah. It says your f- sins are forgiven. Well, I don't believe it. I want to hold on to it. That's that. Who cares what you believe? <laughs> um, it is go- what God has said and declared over you. And so, dear preacher, give that to your people. Yep. Declare the kingdom of God over them. And I will tell you this. You know, if the law could work, we wouldn't need Jesus. It would have. Been- <laughs> and I wouldn't go to church. That's for sure. <laughs> I know the Bible <laughs> would be done after John the Baptist. Yeah. And then it would be the end. Uh, but the fact that someone else has to come after John the Baptist means that the law is not going to get the job done. And preachers, as you preach, be like Jacob was to me. When your congregation is asking you for more law, you need to give them more grace. As Jake said, there's probably a pastoral need that's there. The reason they're asking you to help, like, you know, tighten the straitjacket is because there's some real issue there. And what they actually need is love and the balm uh, and of the gospel. And that's what that's what Jesus comes to give. And so John the Baptist uh, must decrease and Jesus must increase. And 
shortly after this, John the Baptist will be beheaded in a great tragedy. Um, and then, uh, but Jesus will continue his ministry and ultimately will uh, baptize people in a new baptism, a baptism of um, forgiveness of sins through his shed blood and a baptism mm. uh, of the Holy Spirit uh, to do Amen. what the law never could and what John's ministry mm. never could. So that's the message you want to give people. Tell them the good news is that John's ministry ends and Jesus's ministry continues uh, and, and brings the gospel to people um, who, uh, and Jesus is the way, coming back to Isaiah 35, that makes us clean and makes us new. That's the good news of Advent Amen. 3. All right, everybody. Well, until next week, um, happy preaching and uh, enjoy your forgiveness. God bless you. Whoop. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. And we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.